We are in glory. Hallelujah. We are in week two of the Asking for a Friend series. Um, and uh, we are super excited. How many of you enjoyed last week and getting those? And um, we're going to jump into even another set of questions to give you an understanding of the Ask for a Friend series. Asking for a Friend series is connected to questions that we have received uh, mainly through social media outlets and email where people have um, put these questions in and said, hey, I've always wanted to know X, Y, and Z. Uh, we felt it very important that we take the month of August and we answer some of your questions. Um, I said last week, many of us have been in worship experiences before and we want to like ask a question right in the middle of the message, but we know that's not proper church decorum um, unless it's a class or something. So this gives you an opportunity to be able to get those questions answered. And uh, we're excited about this one, particularly I am. I was happy that these questions came in and uh, we're looking forward to jumping into it. So this week's questions, um, one of the first questions that came in is, can women lead men? Gonna have so much fun today. Uh, can women lead men? I'm just going to start. We'll go into these and we'll lay scriptures out. Now, let me say this before I jump into the message. Uh, do you want to talk about Kids Inc. just for the things so they can? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Kids Inc., um, we are super excited because we have four classrooms upstairs um, to host our students. Um, we are actually rerouting our HVAC system to get adequate air to them. When it gets up to three digits on the top floor, it is too warm for it to be safe for them. So you think that you've, you're hot in here, but it's way warmer up there when it hits, they have the, no air. When it hits the three digits. So we are paying to get it rerouted. Um, and so, amen. Yay. Um, and so we also are going through some other renovations with Kids Inc. Um, we also are looking to grow that team. So right now, um, the people who are serving on that team are having to double serve or take double the ratio that we believe is best for kids. And so what we are proposing is if you have a child um, that is Kids Inc. age, and it's just a proposal, um, but if you have a child that is Kids Inc. age, if every family volunteers just one adult from their family um, to work on the Kids Inc. team, you would only have to work every other month. So you would do one Sunday every other month. And if we could band together as parents, we'll get you the training, we'll get you everything that you need. And if you start signing up with Step Up Team now, by the time the HVAC system is rerouted and rewired, we would do a grand opening with a, a like thriving team, um, excitement, everything that we need for our kids. And so the kids will be in here until that work is done and until we build our workers. But I know that our parents are gonna come through, and so that is one of the things that we are proposing. If you're not a parent, the team is completely open. Yes. I just looked at the number of families that we serve on a Sunday basis, and if we went just with the number of families that we serve volunteering one adult, it would be once every other month. And 
And I know we could get it taken care of today if we did that. So, amen. Govern yeah. yourselves accordingly. And so, here at All Nations, we love our children. Somebody say, we love our children. We love our children. We don't do sinister looks at parents because their kid is making noise. We don't do that in this church. You're at the wrong church. You go back to grandmama's church. We're going to do that foolishness. Up in here, we are a family church. Somebody say, amen. Amen. So, make the family and the children feel welcome, not uncomfortable. God bless you. I just wanted to say that before I get into my message. Amen. So back. So yes. So the first question is, yes. can women lead? Can women lead men? And the answer is yes. Just plainly. We'll get into scriptures and prove it to you later. But yes, uh, for all yes. you misogynists out there. So, uh, oh, why did I do that? Huh? Uh, so when a woman is, here's the next question, is when a woman is the senior pastor, and the past in the hubby is a pastor. I'm assuming, like on the staff, is that okay? And the answer to that question is yes as well. And um, and we'll show you here momentarily. Okay. And then these are quick answers. I mean, I don't. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and and that's a really common belief is that basically people are thinking if in any way the woman is above the husband, then it is, then it's out of order. So that's where that question is coming from because sometimes you'll see the first, the roles kind of reverse where the lady is the senior pastor and then the husband is the first gentleman or however they, however they call it. They call them up well, all kind of different terms. Is they call, I'm not making it up. It's a thing. Yeah. And so it's like when people are seeing that new paradigm, then for people who traditionally have not been familiar with that, and I definitely wasn't traditionally familiar with that, then it can raise some, it can raise some questions. Okay, and then the third question, we're getting like a weird echo feedback, bouncy bounce something up here. Um, and then um, the last question that we'll be addressing mostly today is, what does the, um, the Bible or God really say about women preaching and leading? And we are so happy that you asked that question. Absolutely. And so um, he always mentions it like, oh, you know, if you got a problem with it, you can come ask me. You can call my office. You did it, you know, but nobody ever calls. Why don't you and, call? <laughs> and it still is a really real and relevant question. It is fair for you to have a question, especially in regards to a movement or a church that you've submitted your life to. And so it is fair for you to want to have some understanding behind that. And so today we want to um, preach a message entitled Her Too. I'm going to preach Her Too. Now, listen to me. If some of you are like, I didn't come to church today to hear about women in ministry. What I need you to get is this. There's a spirit of liberation and freedom that's going to be through this when we go through. So any box that you have felt in, male or female, in this room, as you begin to hear this message, open up your heart because what God is going to do, he's told me that he's going to break boxes during this message today. So look at your body. Somebody next to you say, let the box be broken. Let the box be broken. Okay, so there's a lot of biblical cases or cases using the Bible against women in ministry. Okay. And the Bible is often cited as the basis for excluding women from positions of authority in the church. Yeah. Um, so some of the things that people say is that when Jesus called the disciples, there's still a heavy feedback. Fix it, please, swiftly. It's pretty rough. When Jesus called the disciples, he called 12 men and no women. It's one of the main arguments. Jesus called 12 men. 
and no women. Here's the next thing. Um, Paul gave instructions about deacons and elders, and he specified that they should be the husband of one wife. One wife. He never says the wife of one husband in 1 Timothy 3. So that's one of the arguments, two of the arguments rather, that are used against women having any kind of authority inside of the church. And these are biblical things the that we are um, that we are presenting to you. Um, the other two verses that are heavily used um, in the biblical case against women in ministry um, is 1 Corinthians 14 and 34. And you just want to be writing all of these things down, okay? Um, 1 Corinthians 14 and 34, and it says, um, and the whole thing will be good to read, but I'm just going to read that verse. Let your women keep silent in the churches. I mean, shut up. For they are not permitted. <laughs> are you talking to me? No, I wasn't saying oh. to you. I was just saying that's what it's saying. For they are not <laughs> permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive as the law also says. The next verse is 1 Timothy 2 and 12, and it reads, And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For many people, this is it. Like, they're like, you heard the word. You heard it. So what is there to even discuss? But what we must remember is that as Christians, there are texts in the Bible that when taken out of context can be used to prove almost anything that you want, which is why it's really important that we become students and learned of the word so that we study to show ourselves approved. It does not mean study and pick out single verses out of context. What the same people who are fighting for these scriptures in the biblical case against women in ministry, you are also looking at the same Bible that to certain groups of people promote slavery. Have you read 1 Peter 2 and 18? You wanted slavery abolished, but did you read the Bible? It says slaves. Slaves. Accept the authority of your master. And this is not in capital. They're not talking about the Lord. With all deference, not only those who are kind and gentle, but also those who are harsh. So the same verses that prohibit women from teaching or being in ministry, if you pull them out of context, it would be the same as the slave masters and owners who also pulled those. And what they did was they took scriptures that were not transcultural. Transcultural. 
And so there are cultural scriptures and then there are transcultural scriptures. Because this book was written in a certain culture in a certain time, then it also lends itself to the culture of that time. Most of us have agreed that the scripture on slavery was not transcultural, meaning that you didn't want that slave culture to transfer into the current culture. Why? Because it's not appropriate. Why? Because we have been liberated. But we only feel that that liberation comes to the chains when it has to do with the slave owners and masters, but we don't want it when it has to do with women, even though the case is way bigger for women than it is for slaves. And I'm just saying, if you pull it out of context, then you might as well go get you a slave too. Wow. So th there are dangers of literal application of scripture in some places. Yes. There are dangers of literal application of some scriptures in the word. So let's go to 1 Timothy 2 and 11. It, um, 1 Timothy 2 and 11. And it says there, someone's going to put it up, let a woman, let woman learn in silence with all submission. So many churches interpret this passage as prohibiting, prohibiting women from serving in the office of senior pastor, but they think it's okay for them to work as a Sunday school teacher, youth workers, worship leaders, missionaries, and everything else. So a senior pastor, first of all, doesn't even exist in the New Testament. The role of a senior pastor does not exist. And a matter of fact, if you study it, you can't find a man or a woman that's listed as a senior pastor. <laughs> I love it. Early Christians considered prophecy to be one of the highest positions in the church. No clear distinction between prophets and preachers because they were both responsible for speaking the word of God under the Holy Spirit's anointing. In the ancient world, boys at the age of 13 were considered to be men. So if we take this passage literal and apply it today, in our time, it would exclude women from serving as Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, worship leaders, missionaries, or anything over a boy that's 13 of age, 13 um, or older. Because the mindset would be that they would not be allowed to even minister to them. Paul does not say that women shouldn't have authority over men in their own culture. He just says over a man, over a man. And that would mean that a woman under any circumstances, in any condition, in any culture, wouldn't be able to lead any kind of man. If you really study it in the context of it, first of all, he was talking to husbands to wives. Talking to the wives of husbands. He was not talking about women in general. He was speaking to a specific group of people of how they were having issues in their church about how the women were overstepping and speaking over their husbands. Study. He was not talking to the world as a whole. He was not talking to all men and women. You cannot take this now and make a decision that men are the head of every woman. A man is the head of his wife. Somebody say amen to me. That's why you can't let a boyfriend be ahead. A fiance can't be ahead. It's a husband. Y'all don't want that. 
Some of y'all engaged letting some man run you. You must be out. Please. You ain't the head yet, Reverend. Blessings. Paul. Paul is not cutting out women from being in leadership. Paul also forbids them from braiding their hair. It's the same. It's Hello? the same. It's the same kind. The same story. In the same story, he said, "Don't braid your hair. Stop wearing jewelry, and stop wearing expensive clothes." I can't hear you. Appreciate you, Gucci. I can't hear you. I said, "I can't hear you." So if we're gonna take a literal. Take it. Make it all literal. Take the earrings off in here. All of y'all got them expensive shoes off. Take on. Take them off. So if we're gonna do literal. Let's do literal. But we're picking and choosing. My God, today. So instead of being literal in all cases, we assume that something was going on in the culture of Paul's time. Okay? Even in, his, in, in Ephesus, when they braided their hair, the reason why he was saying don't braid your hair is because many people attributed braiding of hair to prostitution. So he's saying don't wear your braids because I don't want you to be seen as a prostitute that's walking around. That was in their time. Now you're free to braid your hair, ladies. I mean, braid my hair come, come on, on and break my hair all right let's keep going they still singing <laughs> and so when you take when you take this scripture um and then we also we can look at first corinthians 14 and 34 and 35 when you take these two scriptures and one, read them out of context. And then two, do not consider the culture surrounding what was actually happening. Then you end up with a doctrine that is very closely based on two scriptures out of context without reading what was actually happening. Yeah. So he was not saying just be silent. He's saying, let's put this house in order. order. Let's put this house in order. And even now, if there was something and you were on a particular street that has two syllables and starts with a B here, and there were certain ladies who wore a certain color shirt, then we also would tell you, don't wear that color shirt and walk on that street because we don't want for you to become entangled with something that you do not want to be entangled with. And so he was giving them a warning as a church. He was giving those women, those wives, a warning as women in that church and in that context. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14 and 34 through 35. Um, in this same uh, chapter, he also states that if women have questions during a service, they should ask their husbands afterwards. In that context. So if you're going to take just that verse literally, then you also would have to exclude women from asking questions in the church at all. They would have to get all of their answers from their husbands at home after service. If you took that literally and out of context. Additionally, what about single women? What? Who y'all going to ask? <laughs> what you going to do? You borrow somebody's husband for the afternoon? I mean, what? 
the same writer three chapters earlier. Go back and read chapter 11. Go back and read chapter 11, okay? Of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you go back there, Paul also says that when a woman prays or prophesies, where? In the church, she should have a veil on her head. Now, I don't know how you prophesy. I don't know how you pray. But usually when we do it in the church, you have to speak. And so if the same guy in chapter 11 is giving you instructions on how to have ministry expression, then I don't believe <laughs> that three chapters later, he's telling you to universally be silent. It would actually make more cultural sense for him to tell the women to be silent because they were dumb, not because they were women. Explain that. Walk that out. Because in the culture of the time, the women were not classically educated or classically trained. To submit means to take what I have and put it up under another's understanding. And if my understanding matches their understanding, we agree. And if my understanding disagrees with their understanding, then I exchange my understanding for their understanding. The reason why being silent was associated with submission was mostly because those women had not been trained and they were speaking things that they did not know. We're talking about that group of women. And I propose that the same scripture stands today. If you are unlearned in the scripture, you are not studied in the word, women, shut up and be silent in the church. And men too, please. Thank you. <laughs> please. <laughs> but it was not solely because they were women. But it can be proven that that group of women simply did not know what they were talking about and they were out of order. And the same point, we additionally do not insist that you put on a veil when you prophesy and pray. I ain't see no veils up in here on Wednesday. I ain't see no veils up in here on first Sunday night. So why? Why? Because we count that as something that's indicative of the culture. Culture. In this time, you still have groups of people who are educated and not educated. It's just that now, culturally, it doesn't just belong to the women being uneducated and the men being educated, which is why you cannot make that clear divide when in that time you could make that clear divide because you could say the women be silent because we know that none of them are educated. And that would make cultural sense. Look at somebody say, God is breaking boxes. Look at somebody else tell them, God is breaking boxes. And so there are women who actually ministered as spiritual leaders through the entire Bible. We want to take you through a few of them. We don't have time to exhaust all of them because they're many. But, but let's, let's deal with, let's deal with uh, Prophet Huldah. Second Kings. Chapter 22, verse number 14, is where you find Prophet Holder. And this prophet gave direction to the leadership of that day. 
God used her to release a clear word about what God was saying through them. Give me verse 15 because I just want to read it real quick because she didn't play either. Then, then she said to them, thus said the Lord God of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me. Next. Next verse. Thus said the Lord God, behold, I bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants and all the war words of the book which the king of Judah has read. Now she goes on to make some very clear prophetic statements concerning this. God raised up this woman, Holda, to be able to minister and give the direction of a whole people group in 2 Kings chapter 22. Okay, Exodus 15, 20 describes Miriam as a prophetess who served alongside her brothers and Aaron during Israelites exodus from Egypt. So she was a part of the prophetic guard or the prophetic consortium that helped bring Israel out of the, uh, the, the uh, confinements that they were in and in the imprisonment that they were in. God used her in leadership in what would be then considered uh, um, believers or groups of believers. Christians didn't exist from the aspect of believing in Christ Jesus at that time. But those that were believers in God as a whole, they, she was in leadership in that space. Judges 5, all the way through Judges 4 through 5. Judges 4 through 5, we find Deborah, who served as a judge over all of Israel. Somebody holler back, all of Israel. She was leading everybody. And rallied the army of Israel to victory over the Canaanites. So this woman was a beast. And she was leading then inside of scripture. So there are several examples of women who spoke, they prayed, they prophesied in church settings without being chastised for it. And a matter of fact, have been written in our story of faith and being commended right. for it. So we cannot take one church of Ephesus um, who received some instructions, some very specific instructions about their church, which if we look at the scriptures and try to make them transcultural, would still apply to today with some different changes based on how we do our actual education system. But God made sure that as the scriptures were inspired and as they were breathed, we saw women in different roles. One of the biggest roles that people fight against is the woman as a senior pastor. But you're fighting for a role that did not exist. Remember that. You are fighting for even a role that did not exist. Who started the churches in the Bible? That was the job of the apostles. No pastor in scripture ever started a church. So I want you to think about that in your American Christian churches. So that actually would be a stronger biblical argument that there should be no senior pastors. Not that there shouldn't be any women senior pastors. That they should, there shouldn't be senior pastors because that's not biblical. It talks about, it talks about pastors as part of the five-fold hedge that builds a church. But that is a pastor, as in a shepherd, as in someone who serves the people, and then also you could study about their role. But this whole thing of senior pastor, who's above, who, and all that kind of stuff, that hierarchy did not exist. Why? Because the church was built on the cornerstone of the, well, the chief apostle, of course, but also the apostles and the prophets. 
So a stronger biblical argument should be that a church that was not built on the apostle and the prophet should not exist. It's tied in here. Because we're fighting about whether her genitalia is right. But that's not the argument. Where's the apostle? Where's the prophet? It's what the Bible say. The New Testament gives us further examples. Because sometimes we like to draw the line. We're like, oh, well, that was then. This is now. Let's look at the New Testament. Like after the blood, Jesus like, stopped loving women. Uh, right. He was <laughs> after like, the cross. Uh-uh. After this cross, no I, I'm sick of y'all women. Yeah. Okay. Romans 16 and 7. Write it down. We talk about Junia. Junia was a female apostle. Very clearly. Okay, and so um, he references her as a fellow countryman. Um, she is referenced as to what she did. Now, the counter argument for Junia as an apostle is that some people say she was not a woman. Okay, because um, that gender was never specified. But in that culture, the male term of Junia, if it was a man, the name would have been Junius. Culturally, culturally, that's what it was at that time. Culturally, that would have been the man's name. There's no man walking around Junior. It would have been Junius. So it was a woman. Amen. Culturally. I'm just telling y'all. Okay. So look, let's look at Romans 16 and 3 through 4. You're going to learn about somebody else. This is Priscilla. She was also a fellow laborer to Paul. Now, she was a part of the male-female team Priscilla and Aquila who were both apostles. Now, in uh, 16 and 3 through 4, she is considered a fellow worker. They're not going to argue that she's not a woman because at least now this time she's married to a man, so we're going to go ahead and agree that she's a woman. But the counter argument to this one is that they say that it's not clearly stated that she was an apostle because she's not labeled as an apostle. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 18. And I would have you read through 24 and 36, okay? Because she's mentioned both places. So Acts 18, 24 through 36. And what you'll find in verse 24 through 36, they don't have to name her as apostle because now they get down into the nitty gritty of her work. As an apostle in verse 24 through 36, it says that she stands flat footed next to her husband and they both instruct Apollos. And because they are instructing Apollos, Apollos has already been established as an apostle. He also has already been established as a great teacher, a profound teacher, studied in the word, very, um, very wise and they take Apollos and all that he represents, and then Apollos submits to Priscilla and Aquila. And what she then does as an apostle is she helps him shape up on his revelation. Because what it says is they helped him to refine his teaching. And Priscilla and Aquila did that side by side and instructed Apollos. So she does the work of an apostle. Turn to Acts chapter 16, verse 11. You're going to read 11 through 15. 
And if you're feeling good, you can read all in between there. But if you're looking for the good part, you probably would just jump to 40. So you would read Acts 16 and 11 through 15, and then you would jump down to verse 40. And we meet Lydia. Lydia, interesting story, Lydia. So culturally, okay, this is how you know the scripture was inspired by God, okay? Because culturally, the man's name is used as the leader of the household. When we look at Acts chapter 16 and 11 through 15, Lydia is referenced as Lydia's household. And the reason why they had to do the extreme was to demonstrate who the spiritual leader was over the group of people who were meeting outside from um, outside coming inside her house. So if you read chapter 16, 11 through 15, it talks about Lydia's conversion story. She's standing out there. Um, the guys are, are uh, Paul and Silas are um, there and they're tell the story. She gets converted. She gets baptized, everything. She's like, oh my God, this is great. Right. And so she says, I am going to run with this. And so they start using her home for a gathering of believers, also known as a church. She becomes the person responsible for that local church. And when Paul and Silas get out of jail, because they go through all that turmoil between verse 16 and 39, when you get down to verse 40, it says then that they came to her house to encourage the people how they know where to find them, because that's where they met for church. That's where they gathered as a body of believers. And Lydia had the spiritual authority over that group of people. Look at Romans 16 and 1 through 2. You're teaching it here. And you meet Phoebe. Because as if it wasn't enough to have women apostles, women prophets. And then we want to fight that women can't be the senior pastor. That's fine. I don't want to be the senior pastor. It's not biblical. I'll just be something else. Amen. Because that's the argument. Yeah. So people, okay, amen. Great. We appreciate it. So let's look at Phoebe. Phoebe was a deacon. A deacon in the Lord's church. And she is described as a fellow laborer for the gospel. What is a deacon? Well, we talked about a deacon. We ordained a deacon. And so we know that a deacon is what? The husband of one wife. Unless it's being written as a misogynist text, then in transcultural terms, then a deacon is faithful to their one spouse. Amen. Bless God. And so we see Phoebe as the person who is holding the other biblical role of leadership in a church women have been outlined between the new and the old testament and every biblical role of what's being represented in the church we like to stick women as evangelists can I say this about that yeah, scripture? Because absolutely. some people don't know this, that you're looking up here and you're saying, I don't see the word deacon. You need to go and you would have to look at it in this original language. And so the same word that was used for deacon in the scripture where it begins to list husband of one wife and all of that goodness, diakonos, that's the same word that's used here for servant that you see on the screen. Just to give you that clarity. Bless you. Amen. And read it in multiple versions. And study the whole and study the, and study the entire chapter. Okay. And so this is giving you homework, and you should. You should go and study it. But we talk about evangelists and putting women in this role of, ev of evangelists. 
And so the indicator would be that you can't speak over your local church or American men, but you can speak over African men, Chinese men, Mexican men, Brazilian men. What is the difference? And so let's look at Jesus' countercultural affirmation of women in ministry. Yeah, so God, the kingdom of God has a counterculture affirmation. And so we see it in Galatians chapter 3, 28. Put that up for me. Galatians 3 and 28. Okay, I don't know how we fight this one. I'm very confused. But there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither what? Nor female for all... Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? So he's saying the distinctions that you are creating, he said, let me break the box. And let me, un let me let you understand that I am erasing the lines that have been created through the culture that's been around you. Here's the next thing. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Uh, excuse me, chapter 2, yeah, verse 17 through 18. Um, and the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it shall come to pass in the last days. That um, says, God, that I will pour out my spirit on what? All I can't hear you. What? All flesh. All flesh. Not just male flesh. Amen. All flesh. It says your sons and your shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my uh, men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. So the kingdom of God has a clear counterculture affirmation and empowerment of women. So not only is he only affirming them, he's empowering you to do what it is that God has called you to do. And i got to drop this. So this is important for every one of you, for even for you men who are looking very annoyed, some of you right now, because you're like, what does this have to do with me? That means that whatever the enemy has tried to place upon you, Whatever box he's tried to box you in, whatever kind of world that he tried to put you inside of, that if God has ordained you and God has called you, nothing can stop you from fulfilling the purpose of God in your life. And so we believe that even throughout these scriptures, there is a reason why Jesus very um, specifically listed women amongst the yeah. list of disciples. Yeah. So even though culturally he did not call them as one of the 12, but he listed them, whereas there are entire biblical stories where the women were not counted at all. But he takes the time to list them among the disciples. He used them as strategic uh, pieces of stories in parables that had to do with the things of that day. He used a woman's sacrificial giving to rebuke one of the uh, uh, leaders inside of the temple. He includes these women as he tells these women as he tells these stories. And then, furthermore, when he came back, he appeared to a She was the first to receive the message of the good news in person and to go and preach and proclaim. Now, I will give this as a disclaimer. I think he had to work so hard to include it in the scripture to work against the culture of that day. This is not a message of women empowerment, women domination, no. uh, 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 women run the world type no. stuff. This is not that kind of message. But what this is, Who is run the, the world? biblical, Jesus. amen. 
Amen. And that's why I don't even know why that's a conversation. And so this is not to say that women are the all in all, but it is to say that there was a place, that there is a place that you were a part of his plan then and you are a part of his plan now. And if we do ministry with one of the gender roles in the space where they belong, then we are doing ministry lopsided. This is to say that even even though we don't run the world and the sun rises and sets on us and everything like that, it is to say that when you refuse to answer the call because of the uncomfortability of other people with what the Bible says, you are robbing God's people of the revelation and the call and the purpose that he put inside of you. So what if they don't like it? So what if they can't prove it? So what if it makes them uncomfortable? So what if they've never seen it before so what if they were taught something different so what amen the boxes the boxes are being broken lift your hands i prophesy to you that whatever's been trying to box you in that's been cultural whether it's been on the job that you're on whether it's been in your family whether it's been in your in your community whatever box that's been trying to come around your life and come around the expression of what God ordained you to do we break it now in the name of Jesus now all of the trauma that's been coming up against your mind and all of the things that made you feel excluded and all of the things that made you feel like you couldn't move forward some of you has been because you've been too young some of you felt like the limitation has been because you're too old some of you felt like the limitation has been because you had children some of you felt the limitations been because you have no husband some of you felt the limitation has been because of your finances some of you have felt that the limitation has been because of all kinds of things but by the spirit of almighty god and the grace he's locked on the inside of us we break the power of limitations off of you today we break the power of limitations off of your mind we break the power of limitations off of your heart and we make a declaration over you that you're beginning to walk in the purposes that god has set for you and you will not be denied from purpose and you will not be denied from the plan of God in your life and you will not be told that you have not been allowed to step in but the Lord says now the doors are open and that the doors are open now it's time for you to step in and there is a declaration being released over you today that as you begin to step into purpose all of heaven backs you you don't have nothing to prove you don't have nothing that you have to show heaven is going to back you in every place he sends you to and I hear the Lord saying today I'm going to begin to give my people revelation of what it means to be my ambassadors and what it means to be sent by me and what it means to have the backing of heaven and the Lord said you're going to know what it means to walk in my grace and understand that whatever I send you I stand with you said the spirit of grace and there is coming another weight of grace and anointing that's coming upon your life and the Lord says own who I ordained you to be lift your hands Right where your hands are lifted, I want you to just begin to open your mouth and begin to worship him. There's something that's about to descend in this room. There's a shift that's about to be released over your life. Come on, open your mouth and just begin to worship him. Right now, as you worship him, the boxes are being broken right now. As you worship him, limitations are falling right now. As you worship him, whatever's tried to hold you back in an old season is coming off of you now. Father, we thank you today that you come to break our boxes. You come to cancel our limitations. You come, oh God, to bring us into the place.
place that you've designed for us to be in. There is a fitting for you. There is a place for you. And you will not be denied from the thing you ordained you to do. Come on, church, lift up your worship. Come on, church, lift up your praise. Father, we thank you for the sending anointing. We thank you, Lord, for the sending anointing. Thank you, Lord. You're ascending God. You sent your son. You sent your spirit. You sent the apostles. We thank you, Lord God, that you're also sending us. You're also sending us. You're also sending us. And there is a commissioning anointing where the Lord says, I'll send you. And I'll send you into business. And I'll send you into entertainment. And I'll send you into the marketplace. And I'll send you into those spaces. I send you, said the Spirit of grace. And no one can stop you from the places I've sent you, said the Lord. Come on, lift your hands for a moment. Just worship into that something shifting gear. Yeah. 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 Yeah, come on, lift your voice. Yeah. The breaking of old seasons are coming off of many of you. Yeah. Yeah. The Lord is detoxing your mind. Oh, yeah. Some of you being detoxed from bad teaching. Some of you being detoxed from bad doctrine. And the Spirit of God, oh yes, and the Spirit of God is re releasing into you fresh revelation, fresh understanding, fresh wisdom, fresh knowledge. Father, we receive it now. We thank you for the grace of what you're doing. This man standing here, so would you come here? I don't know you. you um, the Spirit of God spoke this to me very clearly. He said to tell you, that now what I'm about to do is it's like I saw the hand of God all stretching your mouth wide. And the Spirit of God said, what, what, what seemed like a muscle that tried to come on you in the past season, that he was removing and now what's about to happen is there going to be great clarity. For I heard the noise of things saying no to you. No, 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 no. No because of past situations. No because of circumstances. No because of things and reasons why even church culture would say that you would be disallowed to do what God called you to do. But I heard the Lord say that in this next season of your life I'm going ready to now push you in a whole nother way. And you're about to feel the heavens back up. You're about to feel heaven's back up at your back. And the Lord says as you obey me, and the Lord says as you come in agreement with me, you're about to see a whole new level of strength that's about to come to what it is that you know that I've called you to do and i designed you to do. And so the Lord said ready yourself because what I'm about to do now is I'm going to cause for your eyes to behold me, said the Spirit of God. You're going to understand, the Lord says, what it means to be in my presence and what it means to be commissioned by me, said God. And you'll know what it means, the Lord said, to be in my presence and experience my 
my glory. The Lord says, I'm beginning to release now new levels and rates of glory through you. And I will cause that everything connected to you is about to be transformed by this glory. Come on, stretch your hands toward this man. Father, I thank you. And you're okay with me laying hands on you. I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus for the breaking of day comes upon him. I thank you, Lord God, what the enemy wanted to muscle him. I remove that muscle now in the name of Jesus. And I loose the new day upon him. He's going to walk in purpose. He's going to walk in his design. He's going to walk in his call. And he will not be denied. Oh, yes. He will not be denied. He will not be denied. The box is broken, said the Lord. The box is broken, said the Lord. Somebody lift your voice and give God a shout of praise in here. I said give him a shout of praise in here. What's wrong with you? Open your mouth and give him a shout of praise. Oh yes, I feel it. Come on, lift your voice up and lift your praise. Something's shifting now. Something's shifting now. Something's shifting now. Something's shifting now. You're stepping into the moment that God has ordained for you. You will no longer be in the old place, but you're 